You're listening to a podcast brought to you by Forever Nashnot. For more shows like this, be sure to go to forevernashnot.com and support the studio at patreon.com slash forevernashnot. Hello, hello. You are listening or perhaps watching the Dev Diary podcast. I'm your host, James Ragmuth, and today I sit down with William Cheer, the developer behind Manifold Garden. We talk about his life as a developer. We talk about what goes into building such a vast game as a solo dev, and we talk a little bit about balloon installations. Enjoy. Welcome. Today I am joined with William Shear, the developer of Manifold Garden. William, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. So I, I just wanted to start out for folks that might be unfamiliar with Manifold Garden. Tell us a little bit about what that is. Ooh, well, it's a game that I've been working on for about four and a half years now. It's a game that explores impossible physics and unusual architecture. So if you, I always talk about that scene in Inception where they fold Paris in half and start walking up the wall. So you can do that in the game. Um, the core mechanic is you have the ability to change gravity and walk on any surface, but at the same time, the world also wraps around on itself. So if you've ever stood in a room between two mirrors and you see infinite versions of yourself, imagine being able to walk into the next instance of that room. Mm, interesting. Uh, and of course there are puzzles and you have to slowly figure out the rules of the world and use that to get to new places and discover new areas and uncover new mechanics. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, conceptually, what, what triggered this, this thought in you that you wanted to make this game? Originally, the game was actually just meant to be a small project to learn Unity. It was intended to take about three months, because that's how long I thought a game would take. <laughs> and it has since grown to be much bigger. The initial inspiration was actually the print relativity by Escher, which mm. features, you know, kind of these uh, mannequins walking in different surfaces mm -hmm. uh, in a room and the original name for the game was actually relativity it wasn't until about two and a half years in that i changed it to manifold garden but the original idea was just to make that into a game and everything else sort of followed from there right on yeah no it definitely it's very clear the the inspiration from Escher and um just it's, it's got like very striking architecture um and i i i haven't played it myself obviously but the the way that you talk about the way the physics work um, it's apparent your background in physics could you talk a little bit about that sure i i you know uh majored in physics and had actually worked briefly at the national institute of nuclear physics in italy so i worked at a, a linear accelerator lab uh kind of writing some software to help them with maintenance of equipment this was back in 2008 uh, you know, eventually I decided that going to grad school in physics and becoming a professor or researcher was not the path for me. Mm -hmm. But it's always something that I've been interested in and have continued to be interested in. In a lot of ways, Manful Garden is a metaphor for the history of physics. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at the beginning of the game, what you're doing is you are relearning gravity. 
Mm-hmm. So in the same way that you know a lot of what we are doing now, we can trace that back to Newton first uncovering gravity. Right, the apple hits him on the head, and right. he writes down the rules for gravity, and then so, sort of from there, physicists build on his work, and eventually we get to Einstein, and we're really, really thinking about how the space, the shape of space actually bends, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's sort of what you get to in Manful Garden. Like, you realize the the world actually wraps around itself. Mm-hmm. You figure out the shape of the space. Starting with gravity, you slowly piece together, you know, you make an observation, you come up with an idea of how the world works, you test it, and then you solve the puzzle and you slowly build on that. And, um, and you know, eventually, so that's kind of the first half of the game. Eventually, you start using that to do different things. But... Right. That journey at the beginning, I want you to have these same eureka moments mm-hmm. that physicists had, had experienced. Of course, it's much more condensed <laughs> and sure. without the messiness of actual research. Yeah, absolutely. What's, what's it like trying to translate your, your knowledge in physics to, to creating something in, in like Unity? Ooh. Um... <laughs> Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, there's, there's, the physics itself is not that hard. It's a lot of it has to do with development specific problems. You know, you're always going to have these bugs and there's always going to be some problems. And so your systems are never as clean as you'd like. There's always, and you're always making adjustments for player interaction. Sure. Some things would be cleaner conceptually, but then players wouldn't understand them. So you have to kind of tweak it uh, so that it's more player friendly. So, for example, when you, you know, uh, according to physics, everything should fall at the same speed. Right. Right. I mean, okay, there's there's like air resistance and that can factor in. Mm -hmm. And in the game, we don't have air resistance so things should fall at the same speed, but actually what I do is I make the boxes fall, you know, there are these boxes in the game that you can pick up and interact with, and I make them fall slower than the player. Okay. And the reason is then if you drop a box, you can jump after it, and eventually you will catch up to it, and there will be about two seconds of time when you can grab it out of the air. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make sense <laughs> from a physics standpoint, but it feels awesome. Right. <laughs> so I'm leaving it in the game. So you, you kind of make adjustments like that. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of have to, to balance to what feels good, not necessarily what's always scientifically accurate. Yeah, that's very cool. It's um, it's weird. I feel like there's no, that I know of, there's no other game that, that looks the way yours looks. Were there other games that inspired you? A lot. I mean, I didn't play games before I started working on this. Mm-hmm. And... In terms of visuals, there have definitely been a lot of inspirations. I think the one that everyone brings up is Antichamber. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that's sort of something I've kind of struggled with on and off over the years being compared to Antichamber. I think just that, that game came out and did so well and had such a unique art style. And, you know, it's a minimalist puzzle game mm-hmm. with edge detection. So, there's just not that many games out there similar, so we kind of get classed together. Though if you look at them side by side, that my game has, I you know, spend a lot of time trying to differentiate it, and yeah. I think that's for the best. Like, if um, uh, like 
wanting to it's a lot of the decisions we kind of arrived at through different paths Mm -hmm. uh, but kind of came to the conclusion because oftentimes they're just sort of you know if you're making a puzzle game and you want the mechanics to be very clear and visually distinct you you know you you often arrive at the same conclusions however um i think for the past two years i've very actively made decisions to differentiate it so it's almost been kind of a reactive uh visual like a lot of these decisions have been more reactive yeah um but but I think it's pushed it in a new direction, you know. So uh, examples are focusing on the outdoor areas, mm-hmm. and that's really pushed for having these very large spaces and very complicated and very intricate architecture. Right. Which I think to me is a it's a huge part of how the game looks now, um, and a big part of the gameplay. And then also lighting and shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of the combination of like water and trees and all that. So they both big parts of gameplay um, and some of them have been based on wanting to make the game stand out visually and some have been come from like more from a mechanic standpoint right yeah no it, it totally does and you you're you're a solo dev so what has it been like having to you know you have to focus on making the game feel good you have to focus on mechanics but then you also have to do all this art to make it visually stand apart had you had a background in art prior to this um not through school i was um an installation artist for mm-hmm. about four years before i started um and i worked in advertising so i had some kind of experience with visual design i should just clarify that that i've uh, very recently brought on some people some graphics programmers to help me with the polish right on um which is very nice but a lot of it has been just a um, trial and error process, you know. Right. Um, like, I didn't come to this art style right away. I made a hundred other <laughs> art styles that all look terrible, and yeah, kind of, you know, it's been in development for four and a half years, so I've, I've had plenty of time to tweak it. Right. Right. Well, and, and you mentioned that you you hadn't played video games before this, so. One, like, why why make a video game? Well, uh, like I mentioned, I, I was this installation artist for four years, and I was actually working with, with balloons. Okay. And I'm making these large-scale installations out of balloons, and it, the how I got into that is, is another story, but I was <laughs> never... You know, when people wrote about the work, they always would say stuff like, I had a passion for balloons, you know, <laughs> as, if, as if sort of the act of twisting balloons gave me a, a kind of sense of euphoria, which is right. not true, right? It just happened to be this medium that I was using. And it, it was a it was a double-edged sword because on the one hand, the work was easily recognizable, but then, you know... Um, Nobody's this balloon art connoisseur, so it didn't matter if you made a great piece or a mediocre piece, it all looked the same. And the, the novelty of the medium really overshadowed anything you wanted to do, any of the ideas, which is not true in games. Mm-hmm. The, the, just say, telling someone you're making a video game doesn't get you very far. So originally, my intention was just to make another, was just to work in a medium other than balloons. Sure. Just to... <laughs> get out of that so I'm not the balloon guy and 
I looked at a bunch. I was looking at like metalworking and, and glass blowing. And, uh, but, but this was in 2012 and a friend told me about a lot of the stuff that was happening in indie games with, mm-hmm. you know, Journey, um, Braid and Indie Game, the movie came out and I watched that and, mm-hmm. and it sort of, um, I was like, oh, you know what? Um, this looks like a medium that I could do something interesting in. Right. So, and not knowing how long the project would take, I kind of just jumped in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think that is my favorite game dev origin story is I wanted to get out of the balloon game and I became a game developer. So yeah, you, I underestimated how, how, how complex it was. Yeah. You mentioned um, you, you, your, your friend kind of showing you like what was going on in the community. You're based in Chicago. Um, what, what has the reaction of the, the community there been to this, this project? Very, very positive. I mean, they've seen it from the very beginning. They played the very first version. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they've been very helpful in kind of showing me the ropes and, and helping it evolve. Um, I mean, I haven't talked to them in a while. I hope they like it. They, they've all been <laughs> supportive. Um, but yeah, it's like, a, I think there's a 60, 70 other indie game developers. Yeah. It's it's a robust community over there. Um, we over in St. Louis, we I mean we've got a good amount, but comparatively, it's like triple the size. Um, do you is there a lot of you've been working on this for four years? Do you still have a lot of time to go and interact with the community? Do you, is that something that you enjoy doing? Yes, I haven't done it in a while. I've been pretty busy i've actually stopped going to conferences and conventions mostly just because i'm in the final stretch of development and you know the thing that's really important for me now is having this routine um that is the same every day you know i wake up around the same time i eat the same thing every day and i get in this many hours of work in and that's just what i need so i'm not focusing on anything else right like i can just kind of lose myself in the work yeah um, and conventions and conferences are just too disruptive um, to my schedule. For sure, for sure. Well, that totally makes sense too. I, what, what's fascinating to me um, is, is in indie projects in general is, especially like when, with smaller teams, the kind of tenacity it takes to, to spend this much time on a project how do you what i mean what is there is there a sense of of fear of like when it finally comes out like what are you what are you experiencing this far into it as far as expectations for yourself and expectations for the game yeah fear fear is kind of a constant part of that it's my feelings about it have changed a lot over the course of development you know when i first started i was thinking within three months I'm going to have the next portal mm-hmm. and, and everyone's <laughs> going to call me a genius and then I went to the first playtest session with the young horses they made Octodad you know three months into development and they showed me all the problems that the game had and it was it was a very humbling experience and it made me realize that it was going to take a lot of work um, you know the then I remember the kind of middle part the second and third year it was before people really knew about the game and I still didn't quite know what I was doing, that was actually kind of a nice bit just because nobody cared and I I knew, I did not know enough to worry. Mm-hmm. 
Um, <laughs> and then there comes a point when it's like you know enough to worry, and people right. don't know about you, and then you're really worrying. <laughs> um, and now it's <laughs> you. I know plenty to be worried about. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also super happy with what I've done with the game so so far. It's mm. it's it's far exceeded what I had originally set out to make. It's so much bigger and I I, I realize now it, it is it is definitely way too big for a first game. But but <laughs> I'm I'm here now so there's no point right. Right. Trying you, to, you've already done it. Yeah. Um yeah. but there, there's still and there's still a lot of work left, but mm-hmm. you know, I see the light at the end of the tunnel and I've made a lot of mistakes and I've learned from them. Yeah. And so I am I think I'm in a good position to finish and, and and it's more at this stage just about maintaining momentum, like keeping my head down, just doing the work, putting in the hours, don't get distracted mm-hmm. and cross the finish line. Um it's it is a struggle every day to not worry about sales. Yeah. And people are going to think about the game, but mm-hmm. you know, at some point you also realize that that kind of thinking is just not productive. Right. And um, at the end of the day, you you just have to do what you have to do. And like the, <laughs> you know, that, that I can say to myself, I, I made this game. It was a game that I wanted to make. I did it, you know, mostly by myself on my own terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that I... I'm ha- I, I hopefully will be happy with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's 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 crazy to me because when I when I discovered Manifold Garden, I I would have never guessed that it was one person. Um, it it looks it looks huge. I mean, like you said, like it's it's too big for a, for a first game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but it looks yeah. I, I'm I'm excited to play it when it does come out. It looks fantastic. Tell me a little bit about, I guess. Was is there a difference in the way that development has gone since you had that moment of, oh shit, there are things to be worried about? Was it easier to work on the game when there was that kind of state of, not ignorance, but like the bliss where it's like I'm doing the thing I want to be doing and that's enough. Mm. Yeah. Well. I think for me, all throughout development, I've always gotten feedback, mm-hmm. and and I've always very actively looked for feedback and advice um, throughout development, right? And and I don't think I've actually changed it. It's it's more just that over time I know more and have more experience, and I'm kind of more aware of like the mistakes that I can fall into. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I, I think part of that is realizing you're not as uh, foolproof as you may have once thought. Like I remember there was uh, many years ago, there was a really fantastic GDC talk by Matt Dilgenbach. I think, not sure how to pronounce his last mm-hmm. name, but he made the game retrograde and he gave yeah. his GDC talk about development with um, OCD and how, you know, there's this four year development cycle, cycle, cycle mm-hmm. and he made all these mistakes. And I remember when I saw that talk in 2013, in the early phase of my development, I remember thinking to myself, you know, I would never make these mistakes. 
Um, and then I think about a year and a half ago, I actually spent about three months working on a level editor that went nowhere mm-hmm. and that I realized was a huge waste of my time. Um, and, and, you know, I kind of realized after that, that a lot of these very costly mistakes, they don't seem like mistakes at the beginning. And it's not until it's too late that you realize you've made them. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so I've just sort of been a lot more careful about kind of yeah. what I'm choosing to pursue with my time and, and really spending more time with the planning. Right. Phase. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that's that's so hard to do. I feel like because when you get excited about an idea, you you just want to jump into it and do it. But there's yeah, there's... well, <laughs> that's why you got to have a producer. <laughs> you know, at, at the uh, at the beginning, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't understand what the point of a producer is, and mm. now, you know, I, I I wouldn't start a project without one. Right, hundred percent. Is um, you you were you were part of a a documentary earlier this year. Um, yes. Um, the, the title of your episode is The Hermit of Hyde Park. Right. <laughs> do, do you, do you view yourself as a hermit? Um, no, but I probably am in many ways. I mean, I don't have a car and I live on the opposite side of town from basically all of the other game devs, mm-hmm. most of them anyway. And it takes me about an hour and a half to go hang out with them. They're on the far north side. Mm-hmm. And I'm on, I wouldn't say the far south side, but I'm, I'm, you know, quite south. So, um, it's an hour and a half by public transportation to go see them and an hour and a half back. So that's three hours right. by public transit just to go hang out. Um, right. So that's, uh, that's tough. And, uh, that's, that's, that's yeah. a lot of time. Um, so I don't, I just don't go out very much. Sure. Um, and everything I need in my life is within like a five minute walk, you know, the grocery <laughs> store, the gym. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it. Um, <laughs> what more do you need? Right. So, yeah. And like I said earlier, you know, I'm, I'm really all about having this routine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just the fact that I wear the same thing every day and do the same thing every day that, that, yeah. that title came about. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't know, talking to you, you don't seem like a hermit. You seem very, sociable and like involved and <laughs> right you know uh, even, i mean really before i started the project i was a very social person yeah yeah no i, I can totally tell i mean you you made you made balloons balloon installations in the park like obviously that that takes a level of kind of putting yourself out there right yeah definitely what um Talk to me a little bit about the the Twitch dev streams that you do, because that that's really interesting to me. I feel like for the longest time, it's it's just been people doing like let's plays on Twitch, um, but yeah. I'm seeing more and more of this of, of developers streaming as they're working on their games. Why did you start doing it? Yeah, I'm not super sure about the whole history of game development streaming on Twitch. I know, you know, at some point Twitch added a creative channel. Mm-hmm. It didn't really. I think it didn't get big until they did the Bob Ross marathon. Yeah. But it, it, they had had it before, um, and the reason why I started was a friend. I you know I said I worked in advertising before. Lasted there about seven months, but I I still have a lot of friends in there, and I was hanging out with a friend who worked on the Nintendo account, mm. uh, and he knew I was working on this game, and he said that you should you should 
looking to doing some stuff, you should, you know, look into streaming on Twitch. Because uh, they had, I guess, been trying to get Nintendo to do more Twitch stuff, but right. I guess Nintendo's fairly conservative, so shut down a lot of the, their ideas. And he was just trying to push all the ideas onto me. And I was like, I don't, why would I, why would I do streaming? Like, who would want to watch me program? Isn't it for people to watch video games, people playing video games? And I, you know, I kind of had the idea that it would have to be more like a, almost a TV show. I'd have to prepare for it and have the script and a subject to talk about each time, which sounded incredibly exhausting. And, <laughs> um, and that's turned out not to be the case. So he just kind of gave me the idea and I looked into it and kind of just started doing it. Um, and it took a while before it sort of picked up. I, th- I think it took about um, six to eight months for me before mm-hmm. it kind of got into a good state. Um, some people, for some people, it's a lot faster, but sure. it's been a very, very positive experience. It's kind of, in many ways, my favorite part of development now it's, mm-hmm. and kind of my main focus. Mm-hmm. So do you use it solely as a marketing tool or does it also kind of help you work? No, no, I just I just stream when I work. I mean, it's not uh, it's never solely about marketing, right? Like that's kind of the, the really great thing about it. Like I just hate doing pure marketing work. Yeah. But here it's I can just work and show you what I'm working on and what the game is about and let that be the marketing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Um and it's it's I think for video games kind of one of the best formats. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's interactive, and people just can ask me what the game is about. You know, what can you do, and I can just show it to them. Right, right. Um, and you know, I, the channel is at a point now where I think, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get on average like 30, 40 people, uh, sometimes upwards to a hundred, mm-hmm. and that's. You know, we have regulars that come every day, and, and it's kind of this, it's now this community where for people to hang out and talk about game development and what's going on with their lives. And the, the, the reach is certainly much bigger than from going to conventions, right? If you talk to, if you go to a convention, you're on your feet all day, mm-hmm. you talk to a person 10 minutes, that's, I don't know, six people in an hour. 40 50 people over the course of the day right i'm talking to that many people from the comfort of my living room right. and i can just post a link to the steam page and they can add the game to their wish list yeah yeah it's it's, it's amazing that that is such a such a tool now that we all have access to it's it's just something that it would seem so inconceivable a few years ago that like you can watch your favorite developers work on their game and you can talk to them about their game and everybody's so accessible now um, and I, I think that's really cool even even us talking today it was like man, I would love to talk to the Manifold Garden guy I wonder if I can get a hold of him and it turns out I could right it's, yeah. it's it blows my mind every time I'm a lot easier to get a hold of than people think <laughs> <laughs> you you do have very good and clear cut ways to get in touch with you all over your your page which I appreciate yeah. <laughs> your website is very well put together um, did you did you do your website yourself as well I did okay. a long time ago very cool. I think it needs an update yeah yeah I mean I I feel you there ours ours does as well um, with the kind of convention experience what have you found is the biggest benefit to going to those and like what's the biggest drawback to going to those because we know a lot of people who travel very far to get to those and 
that they often love it, but then they also are like, but it's hard to determine how beneficial it ended up being. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's really good for getting playtesting done, especially at the beginning of the game, mm-hmm. right? If you can get someone interested in your game and playing it for a while in a setting like that, that means you've got a good hook at the beginning. Uh, it's also really great for meeting other developers. You do develop, like some of my um, closest friends in the indie game scene, have I've met them through conventions. You do get a sense of camaraderie, right? You're there yeah. for like three or four days and you're just working your butt off. And you know we're all kind of in it together, um, and it's, it's fun to meet people, meet press. Now, I think the biggest rollback is just that it's incredibly time-consuming. It's not just the time at the event, mm-hmm. and you—that's the two weeks before you're getting a build ready, so you're not working on the game itself, right? Because you're you're trying like making the build for the convention is very different from making the build for release Mm -hmm. you can't you're putting together all these like short-term solutions and you're not working on the long-term structures and so on so it's like two weeks easily two weeks before then you're there for a week right and it's incredibly exhausting especially for me because i always do these by myself right so i'm just on my feet all day like i'm at the booth the whole time Mm -hmm. uh inevitably after that you get sick Mm -hmm. you gotta go home and then you got to recover, and that's like another week before you are sort of back to being 100%. So it's about a, it's easily three, four weeks of your time that's lost. Right. Um, and and then the cost, of course, is is mm-hmm. quite expensive. I think, you know, if I were to do something like Paxis, I'm looking at five, seven thousand dollars easily. Right. Right. Um, booth, airfare, hotel, food. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's a it's a crazy balance to maintain especially i would imagine as a, as a solo developer do you yeah I, it was really beneficial for me early on mm-hmm. but you know after like 30 40 of them you do get diminishing returns yeah because i'm no longer interested in what the beginning of the game is how that's getting like i've tested that already right i've seen over a thousand people play the first hour mm-hmm. i need to know about the later stages and that so you know i've, I've put more of my efforts online where i think my efforts scale a lot better mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you do a lot of focus group testing for later parts of the game? Um, I, I had to stop for a while just to get kind of the a lot of the behind-the-scenes systems working, yeah. but I will be starting that up again pretty soon. I'm I'm trying to get the a, a rough draft of the entire game done before I send that out, which is hopefully sometime this month. Oh, that's awesome. Wow, very cool. Yeah. That, that's very soon. Congratulations. Oh, so I mean, it's 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 soon, but it's you know it's four four and a half years into development. I think it's about time. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. You you mentioned earlier that um, there was this a few years period of time where where people just didn't know about the game. Was there a specific moment or, or catalyst that suddenly thrust it into the public eye? Um, I don't know if there was a one moment. The game, I think unlike many games, I've never had like a single viral moment. You know, some games like they'll they'll post some gif on Twitter and then it just goes crazy and it gets like 2,000 retweets. Sure. Uh, that has never happened to me. It's always been this like very, very slow buildup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at some point, you know, it's like by my third GD. I remember... 
when I showed at PlayStation Experience the first time, like nobody knew about my game. Mm-hmm. And I was very, very depressed afterwards. You know, I'd like gone out to Vegas, especially it was the whole thing was happening in Vegas too. So, um, and nobody knew about the game. And I just felt very sad. Um, but, um, like then I got backed by Indie Fund and, um, you know, when I changed the name to Manifold Garden, some more people knew about it and streaming and, and it was just this very, very slow buildup over the course of, of four years. Yeah. Um, so then now, you know, a lot of people seem to know about the game. I don't want to get complacent. Sure. Um, so I just assume nobody knows about it ever. <laughs> um, but you know, like when I go to game events, people are, seem to be familiar with the game at least. So that's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So never a single moment just kind of does right. build over time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned, uh, gifts going viral. Um, we, we actually had a listener who, uh, we, we were talking about who we were talking to this week on the show, and they were like, oh, Manifold Garden, I know that through seeing GIFs on websites. Yeah, but see, I just posted a lot of GIFs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I just posted a lot of them over time, so it's always been, yeah. <laughs> it's a slow build of, of a GIF army. Yeah. If you don't hit the bullseye, just throw a bunch of them. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, as far as, we, we, we had a, a listener ask a question uh, about marketing. Uh, they were curious as, as one, how do you get people excited for such a conceptual game? Um, and, and past that, what's it like marketing on your own? Did you get outside help or is it, is it just you? And that question comes from a man named Alessia. Um, so it's a lot about just trying out a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, at some point I kind of realized, well, well, it wasn't a, it wasn't like a difficult realization, but I realized I don't have a million dollars <laughs> and I'm not going to be able to do a marketing campaign like what the big studios do. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, if you're looking at the AAA model, like marketing model, well, that's, that's based on them having a lot of money mm-hmm. and a very short amount of time. And that's just what I don't have. But with the things that I have to my advantage or that I can share development, I can share as much of it as I want, right? I can like put stuff out and ask people for feedback, mm-hmm. right? Do I, do I, do you like, is it like this kind of water better or do you like this kind of water better? You know, AAA studios, they have to keep their development process very secret. Right. Um, so I'm just kind of like using the cards that I have. It's not, um, I have worked with, uh, with PR agencies, but mostly what they, they're helping me with is um, setting up interviews with journalists from different uh, websites or magazines when I'm at conventions. Mm-hmm. So I haven't done like a, this kind of branding thing. That's all been on me. And it's just been trying a lot of things and seeing what kind of catches on more than others and then focusing on that, right? Like, sure. you know, when I first talked about the game I would always say okay yeah you can change gravity and the gravity depends on the surface normal and you have six different surface normals and I would just see people glaze over yeah right so I started talking about that scene in Inception ah. have you seen Inception but he's seen it well what about that scene where they full pairs and have oh yeah that's a cool <laughs> scene you know they walk up to well you can do that in the game and then here's all the architecture and this is what the game looks like and so that's like I didn't come up with that right away right that happened over the course of many years. Right? I talked to a thousand people 
totally. And slowly refine that. So, like when people look at the game now, it seems that there's a very, very clear direction of yeah. what it wants to be, and and that wasn't there at sure. the beginning. Yeah, that that totally makes sense. It's it's crazy to me how like ga- games come out and like movies do too, like any piece of art really, and it's like oh this is great and then it's like either harshly judged harshly loved or like so so and nobody yeah. ever really talks about like the amount of time that goes into making something right and and that's I, I think the really interesting thing here is like it's it's not just like you sat down and suddenly you had a game um, or suddenly people knew about the game like there's so many things that go into one making the game and two getting people to know about the game yeah and I would I would imagine and, and correct me if I'm wrong that that's exacerbated by being the only developer on it yeah fortunately i'm not i don't hate the marketing side as much as most indie devs seem to mm-hmm. um that's kind of a fun stuff um but yeah it is it is difficult to kind of switch between that and then development and design mm-hmm. and you know yeah let's let's talk a little bit about kind of just general dev life like outside of the game what what do you do now to to unwind when you're not working i've been really into history so i i i i I go to the gym and i listen to history podcasts really (laughs) yes really any any particular ones that are catching your interest right now yeah so I, i i finished this one uh history of rome by Mike Duncan, which is excellent. Mm-hmm. A lot of history podcasts sort of use that as the model. Um, it's like 170 episodes wow. covering from the beginning of the Republic to the fall of the Western Empire. Uh, and then I um, caught up with this one called The Fall of Rome, yeah. which is more looking at the the kind of the last days of the Western Empire, but in, in a lot of detail. Uh, the Twelve Byzantine Rulers is also fantastic, and now I'm I'm listening to the history of Byzantium. Okay. Uh, which is which is which I'm enjoying. Have you always been interested in history? Is it is it more of a recent thing? No, I've always been interested, but but more recently have I had the the kind of opportunity to to dive into it a little bit more. Sure, sure. What mm-hmm. what is it about learning about the past that that's grabbing you? Well, um, our world is shaped by the past, right? <laughs> it's just, it's just it's, I mean, it, it's, um, it is very interesting just to learn about how the world is, is formed and, and regardless of whether we choose to acknowledge it, we are living within it. And I mean, I mean, Christmas is in many ways based on Roman traditions. Yeah, no, absolutely pagan festival that then got adopted and so you know right. we're still living with with those uh with we're still living with the consequences of rome absolutely no no for sure that's uh do you find that that then especially with your with your game being so uh, visually important do you find that the the history of the past and like the history of architecture and things like that are influencing the way that you then apply your art a little bit actually with the, with the game it's not so much um the the history doesn't 
play a role so much. I think certain ideas, they're... I, I mean, I see certain similarities in, in the way I'm designing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see certain par- parallels. Like, if you look at, um, like, architecture in India, it's quite interesting because there's been this uh, kind of back and forth between Muslim and, and Hindu rulers. And it's like every time one group comes in, they destroy the previous buildings and rebuild them. Mm-hmm. You know, they use the same parts and rebuild it. Uh, and then over time, you sort of get this mix of styles that also change uh, because they're using different parts. And also, they, they change because just like the materials they were using before are no longer found here. Right. Right. And in many ways, that's kind of how the architecture in Manifold Garden has evolved. Like, I see visuals in the real world uh, sometimes just, uh, you know, and I like it on a purely visual standpoint. I bring it to the game and then I find, okay... I have to make adjustments because of the constraints of the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's like one, that's one step where, it, one cycle where it changes. And then people play, and I'm realizing certain parts of it are confusing people. Mm-hmm. So I make another change. Right. Um, and then I add a puzzle in, so now I've got to make this part a little bit bigger so players can solve the puzzle. And then over time, it, it, it doesn't quite look like anything like the the original work that inspired this right but that's that's kind of how it has evolved over time huh that's that's yeah. interesting it's 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 like x meets y meets z creates this in a way. yeah and i i see the the same parallels it's just happening on a much faster scale because it's all digital right right yeah no that's that's fascinating the way that that works do you think that after after this is all said and done, is are, are video games something that you want to continue to pursue? <laughs> At the moment, I don't have another game I like to work on. Yeah. I don't know if I, I I don't know if I will. Yeah. Work on another game. I think uh, if I do, I don't want to work on it by myself. Sure. Um, it just it's way too exhausting. Um. But you know, through this, I've I've gotten. I haven't collaborated you know i'm i'm like i said i'm I'm have i have some people helping me out on Mm -hmm. the game now but it's not quite this like full-on collaboration right Right. there i mean they're they're, they have sort of a lot of control over what they're doing but it's at they they're sort of coming on at a point where the game is very clear what it wants to be like um working on this new portal system Mm -hmm. and there's pretty much only one right answer for how the finished portal should look right like it's very like it's very clear what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So I would like to, you know, I don't I don't know. It might, might turn out to be a horrible experience, but I'd love to work with someone, kind of from the beginning. Yeah. And, and kind of have this project that's not a product of either one person, but the, uh, you know, from the collaboration of us Absolutely. two. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if my personality is suited for that, <laughs> but I, I do think it would be um, an interesting experience at the very least. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, sometimes you got to experiment to find new things, right? Yeah. Um, and at this point, I've sort of met a lot of indie game developers who, uh, you know, who I really admire and respect, and it would just be... Uh, 
an incredible experience to kind of learn with, learn from them and work with them. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, I, I, I honestly could sit and talk to you about like history and, and, and physics like all day, but <laughs> yeah, um, we should do that sometime. You we absolutely should. We absolutely should. I've, I've been trying to get to Chicago for a while. People keep telling me like, Oh, you, you gotta come out to, uh, what's the, uh, the, the big party that just happened recently. Uh, Bitbash? Bitbash, yeah. Yeah. He's always telling me about Bitbash. Um, and one day I will get up there. But where can people find Manifold Garden when it does release? Uh, well, it'll be on Steam and PS4. That's the plan for when I launch. Um, yeah. And, you know, manifold.garden, M-A-N-I-F-O-L-D, Dot garden that is the website perfect and where can people follow you uh so i'm on i'm on twitter and twitch uh all with the same handle william cheer um william c-h-y-r and i'm pretty active on both <laughs> one time someone had posted some stuff about manifold garden they like wanted to recreate the same effect yeah and somebody was like oh why don't you just ask the developer and they said uh and I remember he's like, it's William. He's very active on Twitter. <laughs> That's, you know, going to be on my tombstone. <laughs> you, you are very active on Twitter. You, uh, you, you tweet a lot, which is great because it gives people a, a, a more of a chance to know you. Yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all related to the game, right? Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't tweet my shot <laughs> my breakfast, but maybe I should. Maybe you should. <laughs> that, that Instagram Eggs Benedict life, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you, William. This has been the Dev Diary Podcast brought to you by Forever and Astronaut. Uh, if you want to support the company, you can support us at patreon.com slash forever and astronaut. But if you don't have the dollars, that's okay, because the show releases every Thursday on YouTube, where podcasts are found, and our website. Uh, William, thank you so much. Manifold Garden is the game, and it is going to be very cool. 